Welcome to the Love Your Life Project, a gentle guide to living a wholehearted, meaningful life. In these trying times, listen to stories, poems, musings, mystical wisdom to inspire you, bringing a little more light to your day. I'm Anuramana. again. Lovely to be with you. And I just want to continue today with the theme of love and have a selection of love poems for you. And I thought, you know, I would share a couple of poems that I've written on the subject of love. I have written many, many poems on this subject. It's probably that and death are the two biggest subjects, really, that poets write about. Um, and this poem I'm going to share, it's set at Dublin Airport. I have quite a history of leaving from Dublin Airport and returning many times over the years. I, I left in 1981 to come to America for what I thought was a brief holiday and ended up living here in America um, right up until now. But I did return to Europe and particularly to Dublin, where I grew up many, many times to visit my family and also to teach. But there are some particular memories that have stayed with me. You know, at Christmas every year, the Irish newspapers will come to Dublin Airport and video all of the returning emigrants and these wonderful teary re reunions. And I would watch that every year uh, in tears because many a time, especially in the early years when I was really homesick, I would want to be one of those people hugging my mom or my dad. And so... This poem I'm going to share is kind of a, a combination of two, two different pivotal memories at that particular airport. One involving my first love when I left for America and thought that I would return to him at the time. And then the second one is arriving back in Dublin and my father, the vision of him waiting for me, he would take a taxi uh, out to the airport and wait uh, to welcome me home and it always warmed my heart. So the poem is called, naturally, Dublin Airport. Departures, 1981. Dawn, blue-black sky, dragging bags behind me, spinning in revolving doors. And then I see him through the glass, slumped across a chair, eyes closed. My first love, who's waited all night to try to talk me out of leaving for America. Tears and hugs and pleas and, oh, remorse. 
checking in, handing over all that I own onto the conveyor belt it goes, my life flowing out before me, trudging to the gate, his fingers still twined in mine. It's not too late, it's not too late. And one last glance behind, his arm falling to his side, that cocky coat, those eyes, this sterile place, weeks of antiseptic, makes my eyes sting as I blow kisses, gesture, love you to the moon and back. I promise I'll be home soon. Arrivals. 1985 to 2005. My father up and dressed before first light, hair combed, best suit and tie, his bent body hobbling to the bus stop, shaking in the ice of winter's cloak. Two buses and two hours to the airport to greet the 7 a.m. New York flight. White hanky in breast pocket, ready to unfold and wave with all his might. When his long-lost, dream-dazed daughter floats down the intercontinental aisle, as she catches sight of his silver hair, his one and only smile, his good arm leaning on a wooden cane as she leans into him those island years forgotten in that singular embrace flooded with sunlight. That singular embrace flooded with sunlight. Even now, there's a feeling of nostalgia, of poignancy, that vision of him in his suit and tie waiting, the hanky in his breast pocket. I remember I posted this um, at some point on Facebook and a man responded saying that he was actually married to one of my cousins and that he remembered my father very well and that I, you know, I had captured him. So, yes... Dublin Airport, scene of many, many emotional comings and goings. So the next poem I wrote that I'll share with you is actually, it was written in response to a poem I read by a wonderful poet called Rick Barrow. I hope that's how you pronounce his name. Maybe Rick Barat, I'm not sure. But he had written a poem called Darwish, and the first lines really intrigued me. They begin with, I want from love only the beginning. I want from love only the beginning. And I think it was about the morning of the end of a love affair and how he missed those early moments of falling in love when you know, the heavens open and the heart opens and the whole world feels so wonderful and in harmony when we're newly, freshly in love. And 
I pondered that, you know, would I want just the beginning, um, you know, when everything just feels all is right with the world. And I realized that I wouldn't, you know, those moments of falling in love are just really reminders of that oneness, that at oneness, that connection with all of existence, that love that permeates everything that I was shown so clearly when I died briefly. And it's a wonderful feeling. It's when the ego can kind of just relax and lay itself down. All the effort falls away and it's just living in this wonderful seamless flow. But the trouble with that is that it's only temporary. Um, This other, this beloved that we're in love with, you know, eventually the human side comes out for both the lover and the beloved. And that's when the true work begins and the journey into what's hopefully, what hopefully will become true love. And so I just felt like I wanted to write my own version of what I wanted from love. So here it is. It doesn't really have a title. I want from love all of it, the flowering of the heart, the whole skin tingling mess, those three words floating out on air until they're recanted, the dissolution of oneself as it fuses to another, the marriage of opposites. I want the whole blood, guts, grit of it, I want from love every last shred, things said that can never be taken back, the words glutting in the throat that should have been spoken. I want to die into love, for what else is it but death and more death? The openings, the doors slammed shut, the lingering scent of his breath, even as he exits. Or if it's me who leaves, I want to feel the senses reeling, the clinging to and relinquishing of hope, each nuance of regret. I want from love to live, to feel each rut on its slippery slope, to get lost, confused, to grope in the dark for meaning, and never to find it. And so what? It's the diving in, the wild embrace of what can't be known. It's in the trying, holding, losing, crying and starting over that we are most vigorously alive. Most vigorously alive. And perhaps that's what love really does to us, it makes us feel more alive, more connected, more open to all of humanity. So, you know, I think if I were to write this poem again, taking that first line that's borrowed from Rick Barrow, I might have a completely different take on it. This feels very much wedded to the idea of personal love and really these days I'm much more connected to the universal love, the love for everyone. 
So the next poem I'd like to share with you is by one of my favorite poets, Dorian Locks. And she has written some of the most beautifully erotic poetry. Um, and this one is a love poem. And it's kind of discussing in a very beautiful, sensual way, really, the benefits and also the challenges of technology. So here it is. It's called As It Is. The man I love hates technology, hates that he's forced to use it. Telephones and microfilm, air conditioning, car radios, and the occasional fax. He wishes he lived in the old world, sitting on a stump, carving a clothespin or a spoon. He wants to go back, slip like lint into his great-great-grandfather's pocket, reborn as a pilgrim, a peasant, a dirt farmer, hoeing his uneven rows. He walks when he can through the hills behind his house, his dogs panting beside him like small steam engines. He's delighted by the sun's slow and simple descent, the complicated machinery of his own body. I would have loved him in any era, in any dark age. I would take him into the twilight and unwind him, slide my fingers through his hair and pull him to his knees. As it is this afternoon, late in the 20th century, I sit on a chair in the kitchen with my keys in my lap, pressing the black button on the answering machine over and over, listening to his message, his voice strung along the wires outside my window, where the birds balance themselves and stare off into the trees. Thinking, even in the furthest universe, even in the furthest future, in the most distant universe, I would have recognized this voice, recognized this voice, refracted as it would be, like light from some small, uncharted star. Thinking, even in the farthest future, in the most distant universe, I would have recognized this voice, refracted as it would be, like light from some small, uncharted star. And I love that, you know, how she can work sensuality into something so sort of concrete and technical, but also the beauty of the recognition of his voice and the beauty of having an answering machine. Yes, it's technology, but it can bring his voice to her, to the beloved, to her. And it just makes me think of how beautiful it is, the human voice, and how unique. It's almost like a fingerprint or snowflakes. You know, each person has his or her own individual voice and I'm sure you know when, you know, people you love call you or you call them, 
you know who it is, even without them saying their name. You just recognize the voice. And it's always been something that I've pondered, you know, how people we love, when they pass on their particular signature tune, their voice goes with them, melts back into the ethers. I was so happy recently as I was clearing out and going through some old files, I found a a recording that I had saved of messages when I left Portland, you know, phone messages that had been left for me that had deep significance and import. So I recorded them onto a tape recorder. And of course, it's been many years since then, but replaying it, I was shocked to find, surprised, I should say, pleasantly surprised to find two messages from my mother and one from my father. And it just felt like they were alive and back in the sitting room, in the living room with me. It was very, very beautiful to just have the memory of their particular voice. Those of you who who have listened to my podcast episode on mothers, um, you know where I spoke about the difficulty of our relationship and how I really wished for her to share her love to verbalize it, I suppose. And one of those messages that I had saved, in fact, she says on the message, you know, I just know I don't tell you I love you enough, but I do, Anne, I do. I just can't say it. And so that was absolutely wonderful to come across (laughs) all these years later. Love is such a wonderful, mysterious, and magical creature, (laughs) and sometimes very surprising. So I'd like to follow now with uh, a funny poem, really. This is by Lewis Jenkins, whom I've shared before with you in other episodes. And he just is, the only word I can come up with for him is saucy. He just has a mischievous glint in his poetic eye. (laughs) So his poem here is called Lucky. All my life I've been lucky. Not that I made money or had a beautiful house or cars, but lucky to have had good friends, a wife who loves me, and a good son. Lucky that war and famine or disease did not come to my doorstep. Lucky that all the wrong turns I made, even if they did turn out well, at least were not complete disasters. I still have some of my original teeth. All that could change, I know, in the wink of an eye. And what an eye it is, bright blue, contrasting with her dark skin and black hair. And oh, what long eyelashes. She turns and with a slight smile gives me a long, slow wink. A wink that says, come on over here, you lucky boy. (laughs) 
Oh, I love how he plays with that word lucky in the last line. <laughs> I'm sure he had a good laugh as he was writing it. So this next one is actually quite serious. It's by James Galvin. And it's called Unentitled, which uh, there's a play uh, on words. So I'll come back to that after I've read the poem. Unentitled. My love told me she owned the waterfall, the one that we had climbed so far to see. How could I not but believe her claim? So I asked her, what does it entail in terms of upkeep, nourishment, health care, and possibly the emotional well-being of a being so free-flowing, so fell and ungraspable as waterfalls are known to be? All she said was, I'm not the only one. You own it, too. Think about the girl you love. Does she love you? Love you like a waterfall? If she doesn't, wait for the one who does. Think about the girl you love. Does she love you? Love you like a waterfall? If she doesn't, wait for the one who does. And it's called Unentitled. So I think... It's a play on untitled, which some poets will name their poems, but also unentitled, not entitled to have ownership either of a waterfall or of a human being, that it gets to be shared. Ownership is shared. So it's quite a clever poem and actually quite stirring, those last lines. So I'd like to leave you today with a short poem by Mark Strand. And it's really celebrating how love endures, how there isn't a, an expiration date, you know, an age that love expires at. Love can be felt, new love, fresh love, or, you know, enduring love late in life at any age. So this is called The Coming of Light. Even this late it happens, the coming of love, the coming of light. You wake and the candles are lit as if by themselves. Stars gather, dreams pour into your pillows sending up warm bouquets of air. Even this late, the bones of the body shine, and tomorrow's dust flares into breath. Even this late, the bones of the body shine, and tomorrow's dust flares into breath. What a beautiful image. As long as we're breathing, we're living, we're alive on this earth. Dust, of course, returning to dust is inevitable. But while we're here, even this late, 
love, light, candles, stars, dreams and pillows. All of them, all of those possibilities are open to us, available to us. So I hope you enjoyed this little journey through various aspects of love. And I send this off with so much love, with deepest wishes for you on your journey in love in this life. And I look forward to being with you again next time. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with others. And if you'd like to hear more, you can find me on my website, anaramana.com. And also on there is a link to become a member of my Patreon family, where for a donation, I offer additional gifts and bonuses, like guided meditations and private Zoom calls. Much love to you. Till next time.